So this morning it's Luke chapter 7, reading from verses 18 to 35. If you want to get your Bibles open ready for when the sermon's preached, even though it's up there, the plain Bible, it's on page 730, and the one with the more embellished title, it's 1035. Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 18, and it's entitled here, Jesus and John the Baptist. John's disciples told him about these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one that was to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to the many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report these to John, what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on the account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one whom it was written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptised by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in law rejected God's purposes for themselves because they had not been baptised by John. To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like the children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge. And you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking, wine, and you say, He's a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, He is a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. Thank you. Let's pray, and then we're going to get into God's word. Um, Father, thanks so much for uh, uh, bringing us together this morning around your word and we thank you that your word is uh, powerful and active and we ask that by your spirit that you would be helping us to um, understand uh, that we would uh, know Jesus better and that we'd be more committed to him and we ask this in his precious name. Amen. Why would any... 21st century normal Australian person believe in Jesus. I mean, you know, that he, that he died for their sins, that he then he came back to life again and he, he went to heaven 
And then one day he's going to come again and he's going to judge the whole world. I mean, who in their right mind? And, and, and we, you know, why would anyone actually base their whole lives around a you know, set of ancient myths like that? It's crazy stuff. I mean, you know, the rest of, uh, rest of society, we've, we've all moved on. Uh, we've all uh, grown and developed and evolved and matured. And, uh, you know, it's time for the Christians to get with the program. <laughs> or at least to keep their mouth shut. Do you ever feel the, um, the pressure of that? And how do you feel when you, when you hear that sort of thing? When you hear it, you know, maybe you, you hear it in the media or maybe you hear it amongst uh, people that you know. How do you feel? Do you, do you feel a bit strange? Do you feel like, oh, maybe I don't quite belong? I don't quite fit in? Well, I've got to tell you this, if you feel that way, you're probably not alone in that. And and it's tempting, isn't it, sometimes to to keep our mouth shut uh, or, you know, to even be a little bit flexible about Jesus just so that we can blend in a bit better with our culture. You know, I always find it a bit discouraging, and you might as well, when sometimes I see in the media uh, church leaders... Uh, who are um, who 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 bend, uh, who flex on what the Bible says about Jesus, because they're really concerned that we should keep keep in step with the rest of the world. Have you noticed that? It's discouraging, isn't it? Because what we want is leaders uh, who are um, who are solid. Uh, we want leaders who will uh, will speak God's word and will stand firm on God's word. And never be afraid to speak God's truth, um, regardless of how unpopular that is, and regardless of how unpopular they might become. And that's exactly uh, why, in Luke chapter 7, John the Baptist is, now finds himself in a position where he is no longer able to speak directly to Jesus, that the only way you can speak to Jesus is through uh, some messengers, some of his disciples. Because John the Baptist, well, he spoke God's truth boldly and it ended up putting him in prison. Uh, the, uh, The king at the time was a man by the name of Herod Antipas. He was the son of Herod the Great, who was the Herod, that uh, around when Jesus was born. Uh, the king's name was Herod Antipas. And you know how kings like to have symbols that represent themselves? Well, Herod's symbol was a plant. It was a, a reed, uh, like that one. Uh, like some... There, that's a reed. He, that, that was Herod's chosen symbol of himself it was a reed you know the kind of uh, soft uh, flexible plant that uh, tends to grow uh, alongside um, you know rivers or or lakes and and that sort of thing in fact um, it was so much his symbol that he had it impressed on his coins that were produced at the time uh, like this one you see uh, that's that is a jewish coin and Jewish coins did not have the, uh, any man's portrait on the coin. 
um, because to do so would be um, idolatrous. And so Herod, instead of having his portrait uh, on his coins, he had uh, his symbol on his coins, and that is a symbol of a reed, a symbol of Herod. Now, there is a reason uh, why Herod uh, chose the reed to be his symbol of greatness, uh, which I won't go into, but it's actually a good symbol of Herod for another reason, and that is because like a reed, you know how a reed, that one we saw back then, what do you see, what's the wind doing to the, to the, to the reed there? It's bending it, isn't it? And that's what Herod was like. Uh, he was like a, a reed that just bent uh, with whatever wind uh, was blowing at the time and he would bend on the issue of morals. He was a very immoral man. He was an adulterer. He uh, was a man who uh, divorced his wife so that he could marry the wife of his half-brother uh, who also happened to be his niece. And uh, this is against God's, God's word. Uh, this is something which needed to be uh, uh, you know, um, brought to his attention. And it was John the Baptist who did that. He rebuked the king with God's truth. And so Herod, uh, because he was unrepentant, uh, threw him into prison. And yet in today's passage, there is an issue which which arises, which may be interpreted by some people uh, as looking like John himself was now bending, uh, that John himself was now being a little bit like a reed. I wonder if you can uh, uh, look at this in the passage um, in, uh, in, in Luke chapter, was it Luke chapter 7? And um, in verses 18 to 20. Uh, Jesus' disciples, uh, rather John's disciples, told him about all these things. Uh, these were the miracles that Jesus was doing. And calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Now, is that a question that we would expect from John? questioning about Jesus? Are you actually the, the right person? Have we got it right here about you or not? I mean, why would, why would he ask that question? Back in Luke chapter, chapter, chapter 3, there were many people who came to John in the desert. Why did they come to him in the desert? They came in order to be baptised. One of those people who came to be baptised was Jesus. And do you remember what happened when Jesus was baptised? It was quite incredible, wasn't it? The, uh, we're told that the heavens opened up, that um, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove, and a voice spoke from heaven. And the voice said, this is my son. <laughs> this is my son. A, a voice from heaven declaring that Jesus is God's son at the baptism which John was performing on Jesus. And so why is now John doubting? He's in prison. Uh, when in verse 18 his disciples report to him the miraculous uh, things which Jesus has just been doing, uh, miracles which we saw last week in uh, verses 1 to 17. Do you remember what the miracles were for a 
a Roman centurion, Jesus uh, healed the man's dying servant and for a grieving widow, Jesus raised her son back to life again. And these, that particularly that, the raising from the dead, a stunning miracle. It was incredible. It was amazing. And, and, and it moved people to praise God. And yet, hearing about these things from prison, John seems underwhelmed. In fact, disappointed. So I guess the question is, well, what was John expecting? Well, when he was baptising people in the desert, people asked him, are you the Christ? And gave him an opportunity to explain uh, what the Christ would, would do. And I wonder if you could uh, turn with me in your Bibles back to, to uh, chapter 3. And I just want to pick up at verse 16. Uh, so people have asked him, are you the Christ uh, of John? And he says to them, uh, Jesus answered them, he said, I baptise you with water, verse 16, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now that sounds a bit to me like judgment. It sounds like judgment, doesn't it? It's just, it's just like a, just as a farmer when he brings in the harvest and he and he separates the wheat, which is the good stuff, from the chaff. And so, too, Jesus in judgment will be separating people, and there'll be forgiveness for some, and there'll be punishment for other. And John has come in order to prepare the way. For that to happen, to pray, to prepare the way for the Christ who will bring judgment and will establish God's kingdom. So that is what John is expecting. But instead, he hears of a boy being raised to life. Well, uh, Elijah the prophet did that, as did also his successor, Elisha. Both of them raised boys from death to life and instead of Israel's enemies being driven out in the establishment of God's kingdom well John hears of an occupying Roman soldier being blessed so where's the judgment where's the kingdom is there someone else coming instead that's the question which John's disciples pass on to Jesus. Now, sometimes when people ask questions, it's not really a question. You know, it can be more like a, a criticism, can't it? Or a rejection or a trick to trap the person like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law often brought to Jesus. It could be sarcasm. You know, so, Jesus, not much happening here. Should we be expecting someone else? But that's not what John's question's like, is it? Um, this is a genuine question with a wonderful response. Because when John's disciples go to Jesus to ask him the question, uh, what was Jesus doing at the time? Well, in verse 21, he was healing many people with sicknesses and diseases and from evil spirits. 
there were many people who had come to Jesus blind and they walked away seeing. How amazing is that? Especially for someone who was perhaps born blind, seeing for the first time in their lives. Imagine the joy. 800 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah foretold the coming of God's kingdom and what it would, what would, what it would, what it would be like, what would, what would be happening. In Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah says there will be a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Who do you think that is? John the Baptist. In Isaiah chapter 35, when the kingdom of God comes, the deaf will hear, the blind will see, the, the lame are going to leap like deers, and the mute people who cannot speak, they're going to be shouting for joy. Because <laughs> you know that the kingdom of God has come. And in Isaiah 61, the good news will be preached to the poor. And so how will they know when God's king has come? Well, they're going to see that the effects of the fall of Adam are being reversed. Sickness and suffering and death, those things which after the day of judgment will no longer trouble God's people, will be manifest in God's king in the Christ. And so they come to, to Jesus and they say, well, you know, should we be expecting someone else? <laughs> what does Jesus say to him? What's he th the answer that he gives? He says, go back to John and tell him everything that you're seeing and everything that you're hearing happening now because this is exactly what God's king would do. Now, John... Um, this was a genuine question. John simply needed more understanding, didn't he? Greater understanding. But so that no one would think that John was like a reed just bending with the wind, having doubts and flipping and flopping and being all over the place, Jesus now turned to the crowd in verse 24 and listened to what he said. Uh, Luke tells us that after John's messengers left... Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury live in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. And I tell you, more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written... I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way for you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Now that's interesting, isn't it? No one greater than John. I mean, think about it. Why does Jesus say that? That he's greater than Abraham? That he's greater than Moses? That he's greater than King David? that he's greater than any person outside the Bible who's ever lived before, greater than Alexander the Great, <laughs> greater than any of the prophets. Well, I mean, he certainly lived like a prophet, didn't he? Uh, unlike Herod, who lived in, in his palace and had his adulteries and his uh, you know, um, immoral parties and so on, uh, John uh, was a desert dweller. He ate food 
which was desert food. He wore desert clothes and he reminds us of a prophet by the name of Elijah, doesn't he? And like Elijah, speaking to Jezebel and Ahab, John spoke God's word without fear of anyone. (laughs) Which makes him a good prophet. But in verse 26, Jesus says that he is more than a prophet. How so? Well, because in verse 27, John is the prophet about whom the other prophets prophesied. (laughs) Do you see that? John is the prophet who the other prophets said would come and would be the last prophet before the coming of the kingdom of God that he would announce the kingdom of God, that he would prepare for the way of the kingdom of God. And it's because of his role that Jesus says in verse 28 that among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Make sense? All right, if that makes sense, we'll check out what Jesus says next. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. (laughs) Now suddenly that doesn't make sense, does it? (laughs) That doesn't make sense. Except for the words born of women. I mean, all people are born of women, but that is different to being born of the Spirit. Born of the John prophesied by the Spirit, but although he was the greatest prophet, he was actually an Old Testament prophet. (laughs) Because he lived and he died before the, the, the great events of the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. The spirit by whom we are born, not just of a, of a woman, but born of the spirit, born again. The spirit who replaces our heart of stone with a heart of flesh. John did not experience the events of the cross and the beginnings of God's new kingdom of people, the church. (laughs) Which means that uh, even the youngest child who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, even the the absolute newbie Christian, the, the, the uh, the person who's just become a Christian, because they've put their trust in Christ's death for them and his resurrection, even the least amongst us actually has greater understanding of Jesus than what John was able to have. Because he didn't live long enough. Because he was not a reed. Because he spoke God's word clearly And it meant that King Herod served up his head on a party platter to please his lovely wife. But John had prepared the way for Jesus. And we see this really significantly in this passage. I want to draw this to your attention in verse 29 to 30. Have a look at this carefully. Uh, All the people, even tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words 
acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptised by John. But the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purposes for themselves because they had not been baptised by John. Now, there are two types of people who were listening to Jesus that day when John's disciples came with their question. Two types of people who were present in their crowd. There were those who we're told had been baptised by John. Now, all kinds of people. In Australia, I don't think we have an actual profession by which if you work in that profession, by definition, it makes you a traitor to your country. I don't think we've got a job like... Oh, maybe if you're a double agent working for ASIO, perhaps. Uh, but in Jesus' day, tax collectors were that person. Tax collectors were traitors to their country and to their people because they got rich by collecting tax from their own people to pay to the Roman occupiers. They were hated. They were despised. And yet, even despised tax collectors went to, to the Jordan River and were baptised by John and were now listening to Jesus and acknowledging that living life their way was wrong. Because as we see there, they acknowledge that God's way is right. Imagine that. I want you to think now about, um, if you're able to, think about the most self-centred, uncaring, greedy person who you know of. might be hard to think of someone like that for some of us, all too easy for some others. Think of that person, and now I want you to imagine that person humbly trusting in God and giving their life to Jesus. Because they come to acknowledge that God's way is right. How they've been living is wrong. And that is what is happening in that crowd. But there were others in the crowd who, who had refused to be baptised by John. They, you know, not surprisingly, they are the religious leaders. They are the people who thought that they were actually, they were actually good enough. That they were right with God and they wouldn't lower themselves to go and be baptised by John the Baptist. In our society, there are the people who uh, you can never please when you're talking to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, <clears throat> they come up with one objection, you answer that objection, they just come up with another objection. <laughs> and you kind of get the idea that maybe they're not really interested one of my weaknesses, one of my many weaknesses, is that I sometimes read the comment sections in news websites, particularly when there's an article about the church or something like that. And that's where I read people just dismissing the Christian faith as being a whole collection of ancient myths that, you know, we live in the 21st century now, why believe in that? Um, Benjamin's often sitting next to me in my office, in his office, in my office, next to each other. And as a journalist, I, I tell him about these things, and he says to me, "Scott, I'm going to tell you, as a journalist, you've got to stop reading those comment sections." 
if you don't want to have a bad day. <laughs> but what if you knew someone who thought that, you know, that uh, Christian faith is just irrelevant nowadays? What if you could invite such a person to read through one of the Gospels, like the Gospel of Luke, to see for themselves, to make up their own mind about Jesus? That would be a revealing question to ask them, wouldn't it? Great if they said yes, but they may say no, <laughs> because the problem is, if I read the Gospel... I might actually decide that, realise that it's not a myth. I might actually realise that it's true and I really don't want that. So I'll just dismiss it. Like those religious leaders who, in verse 33, they rejected John the Baptist because he was, this, he was a scruffy, desert-dwelling, locust-eating loner. He didn't eat bread and he didn't drink wine. He's got a demon, so why would you listen to him? They say, all right, well, okay, well, what about Jesus then? Uh, you know, he socialised with normal people. <laughs> he was no loner. He, he went to parties, to dinner parties. He, he, he eats bread and he drinks wine, so would you listen to him? Oh, no, no, because he eats too much bread. <laughs> he drinks too much wine. He's a glutton. He's a, he's a drunkard. Not going to listen to him because nothing will please them. For in verse 30, the reason they reject both John and Jesus is because they reject God and his purposes for their lives. Now, they, they say that the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart, and understanding the human heart is really important for us, isn't it? as we live in this, this society, this culture, and as we seek to, to share the gospel with others. Because as we pe tell people about Jesus, and as we speak God's truth, we simply cannot be like a reed. We can't be. And it's so tempting to soft-pedal the gospel, isn't it, so as to, to please people and to avoid rejection. John the Baptist did not bend. And, and he knew less about Jesus than we do. We have even less reason to bend than Jesus did because we know that Christ has died and Christ has risen from the grave. Because even the least one of us knows more than he did. We live this side of the death and resurrection of Jesus. We've got the full story and the certainty. And we know that the greatest need of every single person on this planet is to be forgiven to receive a new heart, a new life, a fresh start with God and to enjoy eternal life as part of God's new kingdom that Jesus has effected for us. So, are you going to be like a reed 
Or are you going to stand confident and firm and speak boldly God's truth into our society, into our culture, and to those you love? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that John was not a reed, that he stood firm uh, and that he did the job that you gave him to do, that he preached sin and repentance and he did indeed prepare the way for the coming of your king. We thank you that in that crowd that day there were those who had been baptised by John and were ready to hear about Jesus and to respond positively. Father, we thank you for the way that uh, you have shown us, living this side of the death and resurrection of Jesus, your full plan for salvation. We thank you for the confidence that we can have in your truth because Jesus has been raised from the dead. Help us, Lord God, to be putting our trust in you as we boldly speak your word to our needy world. Amen.